It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the podcast for this Monday. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor, along with Chad Brendel from Bearcat Journal and Rick Boring from MusketeerReport.com. And Chad, I hate to do it because it feels like every time we, we start a podcast, we talk Xavier first, but they're kind of the, the news of the morning because of the Edmund Sumner injury. I thought you were going to say, I hate to do it. Roll damn tide. <laughs> well, I may do that at some point. Roll, roll, I hate to do it, Paul. Roll damn tide. Um, you know, I poison them trees. I hate to do it, though. Roll damn tide. Roll damn tide. Um, but we have to start with Edmund Sumner. Is there any, any update after last night when he, he left the game with the, uh, with the knee injury? Yeah, on MusketeerReports.com, premium board, Brian Snow reported last night that uh, contacts he had talked to at Madison Square Garden said the preliminary you know drawer test that they do on, on the knee said no tear but that's usually more of a test that's better at proving that there is a tear right and then a lot of times it'll you know you can you get the, the false MRI. negative right, right. And, um, so he's gonna get an MRI today he, I think he was walking around on it a little bit after the game which means nothing uh, but I think they're hoping it was a good sign, and, and they'll just have to wait and see until after the MRI is done. Yeah, not to be the pessimist in the room like I always am, but, I mean, we saw that with Mo Watson where he actually went out of the game. They te- they did the similar test to it, at least on, on the bench, and actually put him back in the game. You could tell, obviously, he was hurting, um, then made one more trip down the floor, landed, and, and it, it, it might have been blown before he landed, but it certainly was blown after he landed that, that, that last time. So, you know, just because that says something doesn't mean that it's, it's not worse than what it's going to be. Yeah, and the only thing... I would say is a lot of times when you see those hyperextension injuries, those are the ones that can look way worse than they actually are. Yeah, good point. And Edmund being such I a mean, just long... The slow motion of it was awful. It was disgusting looking. Um, your knee just is not supposed to go that direction, especially that far. But he's really long, really slinky. I mean, maybe he's just a little more elastic than you and I am, and, and he can take that type of stretching. But Did he just call him slinky? It didn't look good. I think he did. Slinky? Slinky. Okay. We had a pitcher back in the day, Joe Sullivan, we called Slink. He slink? Was like 6'5", real long and lanky. Buck 63. Slinky, slinky. Such a Wonderful toy. He doesn't remember that. This podcast is off to a weird start. It is off to a weird start. Slinky is fun for a girl and a boy. I love it. You had you nailed it. You nailed it. You know why I remember that? Because you had a Slinky. You're no. a big fan, right? No. Eddie Who's Murphy your... Raw. Oh, that's the right. The end of Eddie Murphy good, Raw, good the call. song that he sang at the very See? end. Good call. I like it. I like it. Um, Quentin Gooden, though, did give him some good minutes, and I'm not here to tell you Quentin Gooden's going to be Edmund Sumner if he has to play 33 minutes a game, but it is at least a decent sign that that he's making some progress. Yeah, I think the one thing about Quentin Gooden is he's a kid who kind of needs a nudge in that direction to say, do it, go be a star, like, we have all the confidence in the world in you. And I think he came into a situation where the staff was kind of looking at him like, hey, when you get in there, we don't need another shot jacker. We don't need a guy trying to do too much. We need a guy who's going to take care of the basketball, play defense, and get the ball to your shot makers. And, and I want to say, he was fantastic in the shootout. We didn't get to it. And when we got done we all talked Friday, about it. it was like, damn, we kind of forgot to, to, forgot to bring up Quentin. But he was really good in the shootout when Sumner was going through foul trouble and, and, and then backed it up. I mean, they don't win that game if he doesn't play as well as he did in the final two minutes because it was starting to falter. And he was able to kind of stabilize things down the stretch. And, I mean, he was a key part in them being able to, to hold St. John's at bay. And we saw an extended stretch in the first half where they played Quentin and Edmund together. And that lineup looked really good. It was giving St. John's a lot of problem. They were both getting in the lane at will and being really aggressive. And he had played well at that point. Then Edmund goes out, and for like three or four possessions, he looked yeah. shell-shocked. He gets his pocket picked right at midcourt, just bringing the ball up the court. And I was like, uh-oh, you know, is he going to be able to handle this? But immediately he looked poised at like over the next three 
minutes, he grew up real quick and was fine. And I'll give Chris Mack a lot of credit there. Rick and I watched Quentin Gooden a million times, and every time we walked away going, I don't know if he's a point guard. I well, early in his career. Yeah. yeah. Like, as he was developing, it's like, I don't – but Mac. But, I mean, all the coaches said the same thing. Yeah. Xavier said the same thing until that junior year. Then they were like, oh, you know what? Mac was pretty steadfast the, the, through the back end of the process that this kid's a point guard. Yeah. And credit to him for, for seeing it and seeing that it was coming because early in his career it was not there. Yeah, and I think one thing you got to look at with kids like that is – I mean, he's a point guard at the, at the highest level. If he's going to continue playing basketball, he's eventually a he's yeah. a point guard. So I think that's the way you have to evaluate that type of kid, and that's what Xavier did. They did the same thing with Edmund Sumner when, when it looked like, hey, he's a combo guard. They're like, well, but at the end of the day, if he's going to reach his potential, he'll be a point guard. Right. That's the same thing with Quentin. So I think there's a lot of upside there. And now him not having that option to come out of the game, him not having that I need to look over my shoulder because I might get taken out, I think that's really going to benefit him. Well, we'll, we'll see the next step for him in scoring. I mean, he's been able to facilitate and pass and run the offense. I thought he made a real big boy move, though, when he he, he split a high ball screen, split almost a, uh, they kind of blitzed it a little bit, got in the lane, spun, elevated, and scored. I mean, that, that was a that he wasn't just, like that, that wasn't just a transition layup. That was a big boy move, though. Yeah, yeah. but you're right about making shots and, and, and jump shots and whatnot. But yeah, that was a big boy move. Well, I mean, he had 15 points in that game, so I mean, that's that's fine. You'll take that out, out of him. Um, he can get to the rim and finish. There's no question about that. That's always been his strength as far back as we go. The thing to this point is he just hasn't had the confidence to go do that when he's in the game. I think he's felt like he has to be a distributor. Now he he knows he has to go to the rim and score. And the other thing is his shot's really improved. He knocked down a step-in shot in the UC game from three and St. John's. I think he he has more upside as a shooter than we originally thought. And, boy, his shot used to be awful. I mean, a nightmare. Yeah. But I, I said this last night. Well, Snow said it last night, and I agree with it. I think he's a better shooter than Edmund Sumner at this point, quite honestly. I'd probably agree with that. That's a step then. And that's a long way. Like I said, I mean, when we, <laughs> no. his form even going into his senior year was bad. Yeah, that probably says less about Ed than it says positive about <laughs> <Yeah>. Q, but <laughs> still, I, I still think it's true. Yeah, we were talking before the podcast. You brought up an interesting question, Chad. Is, is I mean, obviously, when Miles Davis came back, you were trying to get Miles Davis enough minutes to get him uh, ready for the stretch and for, for February and March. The question is, did that set Quentin Gooden back just a little bit to where maybe he'd even be a step further in the process? We're only talking a you know a ten day period or whatever, but still ten days in which it was three games. It took probably some minutes away from Quentin Gooden. Well, the question was, could they have maybe beat Butler or Creighton? Subtracting, if he this if subtracting he, Miles, the way Miles played terribly and giving some minutes to Q, who played? Yeah, I don't think play. I don't think Butler, but I, I I do think Creighton. I mean, they were still within a possession at yeah. Butler in the I mean, final in, minute. In some ways, the Butler game felt closer. Yeah. It felt, felt more attainable, even though it was at Butler, and Butler is the better team than Creighton without Mo Watson. Um, but I think the other thing that you look at is right before Miles came back was the other St. John's game at Centos, and that was Quentin's best game to that point. He had played twenty minutes. He had played really well. Then he plays, I think, like four minutes and one minute over the next couple right. of games when Miles is back. That, that really hurt his confidence, I think. And I don't know that – I mean, I don't think there's criticism to dish out. I don't think they played it the wrong way necessarily. But I just think you look at if that didn't happen, right. did we see Quentin Gooden maybe just do what he's done now right. for two straight weeks right. instead of having to lose confidence, build it back up, figure out his role again? And maybe they only lose one of those games. Right. You know? Uh, the, the crazy thing for Quentin is he, his role just keeps changing. I mean, all year it's been different, and now yeah. it's different again. Now he's going to be the starting point guard. So Now, you look inside the league, and, and you know we were talking about Xavier. 
figure get in that in that two three range. And, and as much as things don't look good and haven't looked good record wise, and that stretch of games through the UC game, it looked felt like the sky is falling. They're literally a, a, a game out in the loss column of first place, and they're tied for second in the loss column for second place thanks to Butler falling on their face over the weekend. Yeah, Butler doing a little bit of what we said about them from the beginning of the season. They're just you, they can be beat by anybody. I yeah, think, they can beat anybody if they're on top of their game, and, and they those can, that, and they, they end up losing at home. It was home to Georgetown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's you know, and they already. How does that happen? I know. Two home losses for that Butler team is just shocking. Uh, but it's it's the exact thing we've said yeah. about them all year. They have to play at, at a high level, and they consistently do that really well. But when they don't, I think they can. There's blips every yeah. two to three weeks. There's a blip with them. Yeah, yeah no question. Uh, Xavier plays next on Wednesday against Seton Hall, which comes in will come in at thirteen and seven and, and three and five in the league. Quickly touch on Seton Hall. They're, they're tough. They're a tough matchup for Xavier because Desi Rodriguez gives them trouble on that baseline. They don't have a great matchup for him. Um, Kadeen Carrington is playing really, really well. And without, Angel Delgado is a monster on the glass. He, he put up a 20-20 game last week. Um, and now you don't have Edmund Sumner either to guard like Kadeen Carrington and, and match up with Desi. So you become less athletic on defense. That's going to stress Xavier's defense against the Seton Hall team. 9 p.m. tip at the Centos Center on a Wednesday night after Xavier just dropped out of the 25. Cintas Faith will uh, get to sh- get their chance to show how strong of a fan base they yeah, really are in no. this one. If there's about Wait, seven, got nine o'clock tips on Wednesday. Yeah, I don't complain about that. I like nine o'clock tips. I'm fine with that. But yours, yours is in here though. Yeah, that's. We'll touch on that. Mine's, in a mine's only bad because I have signing day that starts at six. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. That's so a good it's going to be a six a.m. to one a.m. two a.m. type of type of day. Yikes! Uh, let's touch on UC and uh, easy win over South Florida, which oh arguably might might. I'm not so sure that they they'd finish in the mid of mid pack of the SWAC. I'm, I, they're, they're bad. NKU fifteen point favorite. If the, if it's at if it's at NKU NKU is favored by thirteen and a half in that game. That's probably fair. I think UC was a 24-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm serious. That USF team is a bottom-two team in the Horizon League. Uh, I, I, I don't disagree. I think that's kind of an insult to the other team. I know. I know. No, they're better than Youngstown. I'm taking a shot at Youngstown State here, but I think they could beat Youngstown State twice. Um, but And they had Geno Thorpe out, who's their best player. And he they, would have been the difference. No, he would not have been the difference. He might have gotten to the line. They're, they probably they probably would have only turned it over eighteen times instead of twenty five if they had their point guard. But oh my god, that I mean, it was brutal. I mean, it was absolutely and that zone was brutal. terrible. Everything they did was awful. Like, and I can't remember the kid's name because why would I? Why would I pay attention? The the they had the one we were talking about this on the way in. I don't know if you saw it or not. I don't know how much of the game you watch. They had the one like six foot white kid that came in yes. and Cincinnati jumped him in a trap in the corner um, in the backcourt and he literally looked like he was like like he went to Heritage Academy yeah. and freaked out like I don't, know, I don't know who that kid is but I'm pretty sure his name's Kevin <laughs> he just looked like Kevin yeah. Kevin God, Steve get Kevin out of there <laughs> why, why, why did we put why Kevin did we in put Kevin in <laughs> he got, I mean he just looked desperate he looked literally like he, he wanted to just call mommy no <laughs> Kevin needs to transfer to Brescia. <laughs> we should see him play in UK, giving up Kevin, 180 points. Yeah, next exactly. Year. Kevin could not play at Bellarmine. No, no, he couldn't. <laughs> wow, they are they, they are, are dread- awful. I mean, I, so how did this happen with Orlando and Tigua? That's why he's not there any longer. Well, I know, but with the recruiting chops that that guy had and the reputation that that guy had, I don't get how they're that freaking terrible. Cincinnati didn't even really. Dude, Cincinnati's coming off an emotional win uh, in which they expended every ounce of energy they could have, 
and still, if they'd have played even a little bit better, would have won by 60. Skinny. I mean, they they only had one starter play more than 20 right. minutes. The bench outscored South Florida's team 60 to 53. Now, we talk about increased and improved depth yeah. at Cincinnati. The bench should not outscore no, the anyone right. on, on their schedule. Would Justin Jennifer lead USF in scoring? Yes. There you go. That's all you need to know. Speaking of, would Quadri Moore lead USF in scoring? That was a no doubter. <laughs> Quadri Moore would get buckets on that team. Oh my he god, passing. He'd shoot eighteen times Speaking a game. Which, he took some great looking shots. He, yeah, got to get yours, man. Hey, got to get yours. Like I don't. He's not a walk on. What is he doing know. at the end of the game? I don't know. Got to get yours. He took three jab steps and shot a fadeaway one footed three from twenty four feet. He had his goal in mind of what he was going to do, and he tried to execute it. But um, a couple things from the game, though. Jaron Cumberland, Cumberland was a monster. Yeah, that that was one of the ones I was uh, yeah, least he, shocking thing. But it just seems like it's it, from the Xavier game was almost like the the next level of confidence boost for him. It really was. It was like all right, that was the one that said I can play with anybody at yeah. any time in any situation. Here I go, and then. Again, South Florida is awful. Let's not get that wrong. But uh, he played like a guy who, who thought and knew he was the best guy on the floor almost. Well, and you know what else that game did? It made everyone else in that locker room realize that he's that guy, too. Yeah. No, that, I think he's always known it, and I don't think he's ever had a problem showing it. But now everyone else is going, I mean, I, see, I kind of disagree with that because I, I, I think they all knew it. I, I think it was a problem of just getting him comfortable and getting him to the point where you know that the the tendency is in that role to just be a, a spot shooter, just kind of hang out, especially on that team with all the veterans. Right, hang out around the three point line and wait for the driving kick and and bang a three or whatever. And now he's the rest of his game is starting like he's they've they've empowered him enough. Like, dude, do that. Like, come on, let's go. You've got. We've seen you do it. You do it in practice. Let's do this thing. And now that confidence level is starting to go up, and you're starting to see the other sides of his game. He's getting rebounds and just rocketing down the floor, which was always my favorite part about him in AAU. Uh, I mean, once that freight train gets rolling, it ain't coming off the tracks. So, I mean. I think it's, I think it's probably a little bit of both. Yeah. Because I think also, I mean, like, they're definitely pushing the ball up, them, flying up, advance passing to him, looking for him, and getting the ball to him, and running things for him. Now, like, I mean, they're definitely feeling him too a little yeah. more than I think they did two weeks ago. I think they, but they've wanted that to come out of him. Yeah, I mean they've been trying to get it. And let's face it, I mean he has a bigger role right now. They're playing yeah. more minutes. He's, yeah, right. He's on the well, court that, more, the so point. it's a lot easier to do it. And he looks great. I mean he he does. And, and the thing is he's, he's defending diff- fine. Yeah, I mean it's he's really not a huge issue. <laughs> no, and that was a big question. That was a question I had watching oh, him play huge. in high school. I thought. He's going to be a two, and who's he going to guard as a two in college? Who can he he's, who can he defend with that body type? And you're right, it, it hasn't been a huge issue. He's still not great on the ball. The beauty for him is, though, he plays for McCronin, which is he may be the best help defense coach in the country in terms of you know read and recover right, and right. and make sure that you know you don't get beat straight line drive to death off the ball. He's been remarkable. I mean, it's his IQ, his ability to anticipate. Get his hands in, you know, get deflections, make steals. That side of his game has been kind of shocking. I mean, because you didn't see that much from him in high school because he just was trying to hide and not pick up fouls. But but it's not like teams aren't trying him off the bounce. Teams no, they're trying. Right, right. And, yeah. he's, and he's keeping the ball in front enough. I mean, if you get beat once in a while, that's fine if you're able to score 26. Yeah. You know? Like, that's the thing about being that guy. Yeah. So. 
he looks really good. I want to touch on Niger Brooks. He did go down um, in, in the second half, but it sounds like he's he's going to be okay. I'm hearing bone bruise. Okay. Um, he's going to have an MRI today again just to make sure. Um, but I saw him after the game. He was cruising around, and he came back out. You right, know, right. Two minutes after it happened with an ice pack on his knee, he went through the, the handshake line, and I saw him after the game, and it looked like he was going to be okay. I think it just scared him to death. Yeah, right. To have, you right. know, because what happened is Quadri was falling down and Nizir was trying to block a shot, and then Quad kind of rolled back over into his knee, and I think you get that. That scare. Well, the bone bruise itself hurts like yeah. all get out, and then yeah, then it's the scare on top. Is it worse? Is it worse than that? Right. So that, um, I mean, it, to lose to lose anybody in that game would have just been a nightmare yeah, because exactly. there's nothing you can do. Like they've only got ten scholarship guys. Someone's got to well, be on the board, yeah. and you got to play five guys. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, somebody has be. to be out there. It, it just it, you know if they lose them for and the problem is coming up. You've got a stretch where Tulsa's got a bunch of big dudes. Um, they're not very good, but they've got three three guys I think that are six ten or bigger, and then you've got Amita Brima at UConn, yep. and then you've got Taco Fall for Central Florida coming up. Who's eight feet eleven? Right. So I mean, you're going to need him over these next three games. So if if they if he's out for a couple games, it you know not ideal. Two things, two other things I want to touch on with UC, and one of them you brought him up. They do play Tulsa on the road on on Wednesday. That that is going to be, in my opinion, a difficult game. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. They don't. They're kind of like X in that they're very guard dominated. Um, they don't have a lot inside. They do have some size, but it's not very good. Um, they've got a guy that's 28 years old, junior E2. So you know they've got some some deep experience. <laughs> and, they, but, and they've done some things they, in the yeah, league. They're, they're six and two they're in the better, league. They're better than than anybody expected. Right. They lost nine seniors. And I can't believe I'm about to say this, but Frank Haith is doing a really good job with them. Yeah, which is uh, that's <laughs> saying something, something good about Frank Haith is impossible. That's almost. that's not something that's normally right. in in a college basketball sentence. Frank Haith is doing a really good job. He, I mean, he's got, but it's, hey, it, it's going to be a, a, a bit of a challenge. I think it's one they should be able to take care of if they continue to play at the level that they've been playing. Yeah. The other one I want to ask you, Chad, is if you can get through Wednesday's game. I don't even say Wednesday. Just where UC is right now. We talked about on on the show on Friday about the the, the February 11th revealing of the top four seeds, and I asked, "Do you think UC will be in that?" We all thought we agreed. Think, with what, what's well, happened now, well, I do. And that's the, the, the next step to that question is: Are they getting into that three seed area now? Not quite. Based on yet. what's going on across the country. But he, here's the thing that I think you have to think about with UC. None, none of the metrics are going to work now, but at the end of the year, if you only well, have two losses, that, I guess that, that is I guess their that, metric. Yeah, I guess they that, didn't lose. Or if they, I mean, even if they've got three. Well, right. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying that it only has to be two losses, but right. I'm just saying, theoretically, like, when we say UC has upside now to be a special seed, it's not about, like, yeah, they're not going to add big resume-building wins to that. But if they don't lose and everyone else continues to, at the end of the day, their resume is, we only lost and, three and times. I, yeah, and I guess and that's what I was going with. Bad and they're still going to have Xavier and Iowa State and SMU. And they it, have quality wins. They've got some teams on there that you can point back to and say, and their only losses are going to be, hypothetically... Uh, at Butler. At Butler and Rhode Island at a neutral site. I mean, Rhode Island's not looking like a... But, but it's still, not a bad loss on Yeah, you planet. don't look and shake your head at that. So yeah. it's a weird resume 
um, and that you don't have, you know, a scalp, a big-time scalp right. on there. But it's also there's very little weakness to it where, I mean, I think they're like 43rd in out-of-conference strength of schedule. Which is not awful. No, when, when we talked about how terrible their schedule right. was, they gained the RPI pretty well this year, ultimately. If you think about teams like in non-major conferences in the past that have kind of been those top seeds, this is what it looks like. Yeah. I mean, this is what their resume looks like. Now, you have to take care of business the rest of the way. Yeah, and I, I mean, guess that's where I was going. Any losses yeah. will change things drastically. Yeah, but you, you lose on Wednesday, it, it changes. Even though it's on the road, it changes yeah. drastically. That's yeah. a 100-plus RPI team they're playing. Yeah, now the SMU game doesn't really change much. Correct. But once you get to that third loss, then it's like, now you really can't have another one, or, or you're kind yeah. of now a mid-level seed. Yeah. Let's talk about Kentucky, too. Um, they've pretty much blown any chance whatsoever of being a, a, a number one, one seed. They can't get a one I, seed, I don't think I don't they think. can, unless a bunch of other stuff happens. Um, this is obviously not a bad team. I mean, it's, it's got quality guys. But the more you look at it, it is so guard-dominated and one inside guy. And granted, Derek Willis shot the lights out of it on, on, on Saturday. But there just isn't that extra score that they probably need. And, and they don't defend consistently well enough. They just I know the metrics say they do, but they just don't against good teams. Yeah, against good teams, they're too willing to trade baskets. Right. And they get into stretches where they can't get themselves out of it and get focused. And like, I mean, they're a young team is the thing. Yep. They're a bunch of freshmen playing like freshmen, and they don't have a lot of chemistry on offense. And their, reliant, their best player is a guy who's a really streaky shooter. Right. And, aside, and he's really good. I'm and he not went, saying he's he went the problem. Ten minutes without a, without a bucket. Yeah. But the problem is when he's not going, they just don't have the guys around him that can knock down shots. I made this point in the sport, Sports Authority last night. Do they need to play through Bam more? Maybe. I mean, the, the only issue is is on made baskets, you get it into De'Aaron Fox, and he's at the other end making a layup so fast that it's like, okay, we're good. Well, yeah, but, I mean, Kansas got them in the half court quite a oh, bit. Oh, they did. There's no question. And they're not Early really, on, they didn't, yeah. and then they got behind because of it. They're that. not really playing through Bam at all. Like, the, he's most of his stuff is... Is rebounds and, right. and you know kicks when De'Aaron Fox gets to the rim, but they're not throwing the ball into him and, and allowing to play inside out. Now, and, granted, Kansas was in two three for a good chunk yeah, of it. Yeah, not it, necessarily. But I know your point. that game. Right. I'm just saying overall. Um, and I think the thing that that has hurt Kentucky and hurt Cal throughout his time there, he never recruits a small forward like a legit. Josh Jackson type small forward. James Young was good. James Young, but he was more of a two than he was a three. Trey Lyles. Lyles was, was a four. Oh, okay. They played him at the. They three, played him at but, the three, but yeah. I mean, I'm talking, you know, the, uh, Josh Jackson or, or a slasher, a slasher, a big time, you know, high end. He usually recruits ones and twos, and then fours and fives, and they kind of just meld whoever they've got into that. I mean, really, the only. I, I would consider James Young a shooting guard. Now, he's big enough where in college, yeah, he, he works as a three. I would say Kid Gilchrist is probably the only three, you know, that I think Cal has ever really had there. And I, I think it might be a, a little bit of a flaw in the way that, that he recruits because I think in today's game, that's a really important spot. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, just an, an yes. observation from the way that he recruits. It was. Uh, it looked like it was going to be an awful day for the Big Twelve and a good day for the SEC for a while. Ole Miss had Baylor on the ropes for a good chunk of that Iowa game. Iowa State lost to freaking Vanderbilt. Yeah, right. Uh, it it, it really looked like it was going to. Again, you know, Kentucky up eleven. Like they were going to roll Kansas, and it flipped out the other opposite of it, where Baylor got it. Ended up being a. It's not a great road win, but it beat a, beat a road loss to, to Ole Miss, and Kansas kind of saved the day by by beating Kentucky, and then suddenly that helps the Big Twelve, where it looked like it was going to help the SEC just a little bit, and it ended up not doing that. So. Um, 
Elsewhere nationally, I did want to touch on Arizona because th- they're they, coming. They're 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 legit. Not not you know. I, I think we all question it because they had the injury issues. They had the the issue with with Trier um, and, and his suspension. Now that he's back, boy, the more you watch them, and granted, they didn't play great yesterday against Washington, um, but they're they're really, really, really good. Yeah, now they got a juiced up guard. I mean, <laughs> the funny even thing better. Is, the funny thing is, to, like, have you like watched them since he's come back? He's not jacked up. Like, he still looks pretty thin and. He had to get it out of the system. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it took a while to get it out of there. Yeah, we, but still, you keep some of the the bulk after you go on a cycle. You would think, flush it out. <laughs> you, sound, you sound like you have experience. Uh, I mean, look at look at that body. How could yeah. not? Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's where the cough comes from from from, 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 from working out too much. Yeah, <laughs> from burning his lungs. All those push ups. Yep. Yes, yes, indeed. But no, I, 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 the more I watch them, the more I wouldn't want to play them come tournament time. No, I mean they're they're solid, they're really good. And the funny thing is, like we had all those conversations earlier in the year, who's the top teams in the country, and they weren't quite in that conversation right. yet. Right. Now, as things start to go, those top teams have all kind of fallen down a little bit. I think Villanova is still the best team in the country. If you told me right well, now who's uh, going to win the national championship, I they'd be my pick to repeat. And that was a gut check win yesterday because they were down twelve, even though it's at home, it's inside ten minutes, and it was like jump shot, jump shot. All of a sudden, change the complexion. And, and the one thing they do, they can get stops when they need to get stops. Every time they need a stop, they get a stop, and then they go down on the other end and run Bang something perfect to get either a layup or a three. They score and then they go on a run. And that game to me said. So much more, it made me feel so much worse about Virginia than it did good about Villanova. Yeah, it was a good win for Villanova, but that's just that's why I've never trusted Virginia. You had a chance to put them away and close the door, and because of that style you play, you don't. You leave them in the game, yeah. they come back and beat you. Yeah. You had them done. They couldn't score for like six or seven minutes in the second half. Yeah, no doubt. They were down 10 at halftime. And it got to go through a stretch of six or seven minutes where they don't score. Right. And they were still only down 10 when they made their. Late push. It was twelve. It got to twelve. They made one bucket, but yeah, but basically it was it, it was it, same thing. It, it could have been an eighteen point game. It yeah. should have been probably. They just can't put game. anybody away. And don't get me wrong. That's a lot of that's Villanova being really good and making that comeback, and they're getting stops and everything. But if you're Virginia and you're legitimately one of the best teams in the country, or we're supposed to believe that, you got to finish that win. Off. I agree. You no, have I, to. I, I absolutely agree. Grant was a lucky tip in, but still, they 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 found a way to win the game. Um, Duke obviously has been a train wreck, and it it, it went from them having are almost. You, are you gonna Are you gonna get him worked up? I'm not. I'm not gonna talk about him. No. You're not. You're not going to talk about Coach K calling a meeting at his house and taking away their taking their away their stuff. Yeah. Clown and kicking him out of the locker room. Clown from his deathbed. <laughs> are you kidding me? Is that serious? And apparently he didn't want it out. He supposedly didn't want want, want it out. Wanted wanted the word out. But yeah. Oh 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 right. He didn't want the word out. It just magically got leaked to every national media member in the country that yep. he was doing this. I bet. It, it, I bet. The funny part would have been is if they had lost to Wake Forest after this. Well, how about how about Duke realizing that Luke Kennard is their best freaking player? Wait, we've been saying that for that's, how long? That's all you got to do is just play through him. Since no November, no doubt. Since what? November, I know that's my point. I want to, he goes for thirty in the second half. In the second half, we thought Trey had a good game in the crosstown shootout. He didn't score thirty and a half. Came close. Yeah, really close. 27. He only had 26 <laughs> without, without missing a shot. And the, and the winning shot Kennard took coming off of a curl wasn't like a 15-footer because they, nope. they only needed a two. Yeah. He bangs a deep three coming off of a curl like he was just out in the backyard playing with buddies. He is okay. their best player. It's not close. Could you imagine if two years ago when Mick Crone was dealing with his health issues, 
If, if seriously, if he, because I'm sure he talked to his team. I'm sure, like at some point, there was a conversation with Larry Davis, or whatever. If that was out in the public, like he he actually kept it quiet. Coach K wanted it out there because he because sure you, know, you know why he wanted he wanted the focus to be back on Coach K. And it's like, dude, you stepped away from this team because they weren't any good. Correct. Just, right. like, just like you did years right. ago and exactly. cost some dude his job. Whenever you have a team that's not good, you got to step away, my man. So then step away and let Capel coach your team. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't want to do that either. But once you do it, you can't cut his legs out from under him like that. And this whole we're going to rip the jerseys off our players thing that Mick Cronin pulled after the shootout a few years ago. Coach K is now not letting his players wear Duke gear. What does that do, honestly? What gear are they what wearing does that now? Do? They'll come I mean, they're wearing Nike Elite gear that doesn't have a Duke logo. Right? The problem Man. is most of those kids don't even bring clothes to school <laughs> well, yeah, when they move. It's all gear. Yeah, it's all gear. I hope it's warm in Chapel Hill right now because those dudes are all wearing like Hanes cotton T-shirts. They don't have any jackets to wear anymore. Durham. Yeah, Durham. Where did I say they're from? Chapel Hill. That's North Carolina. That's North Carolina. They're from Durham. Yeah. The Dirty D. <laughs> exactly. Uh, one other team I want to talk about, because I got a chance to, to watch them a little bit on, on Saturday. Um, <laughs> and granted, the league, the Big Ten is not a very good league. But but Maryland just keeps quietly putting together wins. And and, yeah. and Minnesota is not great, but if you looked at what they were RPI-wise, actually RPI-wise, they're, they're pretty solid. Um, Maryland's kind of risen in that group in, in that league. They've got three freshmen that have played really well for them that weren't like high – High-level five-star guys. You know what the worst phrase in college basketball is? RPI-wise, they're pretty good. Well, but but it's a metric you got to look. You just See, have to we, look at. We it. put Rick in a I bad know. mood with I the know. Coach K stuff. I know we did. That's all right. I, now I like now the expression on his face I like has we changed. Get surly Rick going. Now he's salty. They've had the, Josh Jackson and Kevin Horder, and I can't remember the third one, but uh, Anthony Cowan. Um, they have given them a nice lift, and Mellow Trimble is he's, is a solid he's player. Really good. Um, yeah, they're they're the most consistent team in the Big Ten. They haven't taken any crappy losses. They haven't really had any. I mean, they, they're what nineteen and two, or? nineteen and two and seven, one in the league. Yeah, they you know they've just been kind of solid and steady, and and aren't you know. And I, I worried about them a lot in the non conference because they were playing a lot of close games with yeah. with bad teams. Um, you know, you would see at halftime they'd be playing East Mississippi Whatever. Junior right. College, and it would be you know thirty-five to thirty-two at the half, and they'd still end up getting the win. Um, but they've they've parlayed that into playing pretty well right now, and it, it's surprising the Big Ten has has fallen off a cliff like it has because it looked like it was going to be a fairly strong conference back in December, but. Not so much. You, you do have to give Maryland credit for for holding serve and and taking a pretty firm grasp of that league. Them in Wisconsin, yeah, Th- those two. Um, I do want to touch Rick on on your NKU Norse, which uh, actually had Valpo on the ropes for a really good chunky yesterday. Got within two with what about three four minutes to go. Couldn't finish the deal. They did win on Friday to get to a 14th win, the most they've had since they've they've gone to Division One. Um, what about freshman Mason Faulkner just becoming their best player yeah. overnight? Yeah. Out of nowhere, just we all saw that coming, right? Wasn't even. Pl- I mean, I thought he was going to be good eventually. Eventually, yeah. Time and earlier in the year, you know, they're playing Blake Spellman a lot. He's getting a lot of the minutes. Freshman point guard. He leaves the program. Now all of a sudden, Mason Faulkner is like their go-to scoring option. 
Like how's he? I mean, I haven't really got to see much. Is it? Is it shooting? I mean, it's that's, everything. Okay. It's getting to the rim. It's making plays. It's a lot of shooting. Obviously, he's a he great three yeah, point great shooter. Great point shooter. That was his. Game. Yeah, he led him on uh, on Friday. I think he had nineteen on Friday, nineteen or twenty something like that. Yeah, on he had twenty seven a week ago yeah. and twenty four a couple games before that. I mean, he's he's really putting together an impressive end to his freshman season. John Brandon can recruit, and everybody else on the team is young. Like that's <laughs> right. Like you go, your leading scorer is Drew McDonald, and then you've got Levon Holland who's got another year, and then you've got Carson Williams who's a freshman. How about, and, how about this stat? Only 30 teams in the country, younger, or with less experience than NKU. Than NKU. They're 31st in the country, 31st youngest team in the country. They are 5-5 five and five in the league, but they do come up with a stretch of, of, of some key games. Wright State's actually ahead of them now. They play at Wright State next, and they got home games with, with uh, Green Bay and Milwaukee, and then Cleveland State and Youngstown on the road. You, you could go for one of this stretch to suddenly be 9-6 and six in the league. They've played all their toughest games already. Basically, yes. You, they've played they got at Valpo Oakland. still at home. Yeah, but, but I mean, that's again, you've played at Oakland. Right. You've played at Valpo. Well, you played Oakland twice already. Yes, and, and I was going to get to that as well, but and you also played Green Bay. So, <laughs> yeah. He's mad right now. He is. He's He's in a he's in he's in a snit. All right, since, since he's in a bad mood, I'll, I'll I'll let you go first with your final take, Chad Brendel. Um, hell, you already ruined my final take. Cause you brought up Coach K earlier. That's right. You can go. I'm gonna let you go on another rant about it. So nah, just I got get ready. Left. Yeah, you do. You got enough pent up anger in you. I don't really have one today. I don't think. Um, you want me, to, want me to let Rick go again? I I really don't have anything. So you don't want to yell at Coach K some more? I already did. I think he wants to. <laughs> it's pent up. I think he should be. He should How about be, you? You got should, a final take? See, I don't. I'm the, I'm the host of this program. That's all. I, I just. I'm a facilitator. Well, I mean, sometimes I'm we can turn guard. it around. I'm a point guard. I'm, I'm a facilitator. Sometimes you need the point guard to score twenty. I, I, you know what I do? Okay. Watching the Xavier game yesterday made me hate officials more and more and more in the way the game's officiated today. Every touch. Every touch oh is a foul. God. I can't stand. I, I, I know it's supposed to now free. Have the, you know you can't defend that way because you want more free flow. But what it's now done is every little single touch becomes a foul. Well, I, it was um, honestly, and I hate to, It was unwatchable it was. to a large no, degree. It was. It was terrible. It was. I, I went. I hated. I, it. I got done with the UC game. Got done with the press conference, and basically it was just getting to halftime of the Xavier game. And we were supposed to meet here to do Sports Authority when Rick got done with the Xavier game. So I'm thinking... 8.30-ish. I got about an hour and 15 minutes to kill. I'm going to stop. I went to Adriatico's. Awesome pizza. Love it. Love yep, it. Love My it. Favorite, best pizza in the city. Good plug. And um, Free advertising. Free advertising. I mean, somebody needs to go to Adriatico's. Exactly. Take this exactly. plug. I'm with you. Um, sat down. Had a, a small pizza and a beer. And an hour and 30 minutes later, the game was still going on. Insane. It was ridiculous. I mean, every time you looked at the TV, somebody was at the free throw line. There was no action. There was no play. It was just a dude, the back of a dude's jersey so, standing so at the free throw here's line. Here's the question. How, how do we get to a happy medium of, of allowing some level of contact and not allowing it to Tell be literally to a, teach a, a mug fest? To yes. not foul? Because coaches like you think that you're not allowed to ever get scored on, so you teach your kids to grab and stop and push and shove and cut and undercut and slide under people. And it's like, no, no, you don't. But this wasn't charges that were being no, called. I know. This was it's grabbing, it's chucking, it's all that stuff. If you, you can't but it didn't even look that stop. bad. I know. They get inconsistent with it and they get out of control. It's on the refs too, but coaches need, need to teach their guys, quit touching people, just guard them. And then the refs can... The yeah, but refs you got 65 fouls to play with. Play with your 65 fouls. 
it, well, that's about what was called. And that's what you'll get. No, I it, guess. Was. it was 60 something fouls. But, I mean, until the coaches quit wanting to control every possession on the defensive end. See, I, I, they'd all have, they, they, all, they all should go to the McCormick so, so, School of Defense. So, so what you're telling me then is just, just let guys go to the fouling. No, I'm saying quit fouling and putting them at the free throw line. It's, to, but but, any, but, but let, me, let me ask you this. If, if somebody's out on the perimeter dribbling and he starts to go and you, you put a hand on him, did you really affect where he was going? Yes, that's a foul. Don't touch him. Move your feet, you slow Republican. <laughs> Your guys were the your guys are the worst defenders at it. Xavier's terrible at it. They found more than anybody. I mean, they're not my guys. I didn't teach them. I, didn't, I don't know what you want me to say. Like the Bearcats are great at it. I don't know what Shar talking about. He, he coached them, so yeah, he coached matters. I did. He coached yeah. Coach Chad. No, I just it just it was it's just unwatchable. It's just absolutely unwatchable. I'm with you. But okay, it was, it was dreadful. It's not going to get sitting better. through that second half was there's, awful. I guess I gotta leave. there's got to be a happy medium in there somewhere. Where there's some level of contact, but you just can't teach your guys you to move their feet and not, and not touch. But everyone keeps saying it's on the refs, and it's like, well, we just keep giving them more rules and changing the rules, and they never get it right. So maybe there's this concept where we could just play basketball without having to touch people so often, and the refs could try to be more consistent. But without both people moving towards that direction, it's not going to happen. I guess not. All right, so no final take for you other than Coach K sends his regards from his deathbed, yeah, by the way. Thank you. I'm, I hope he makes it through. We'll, we'll go, Prayers go, up for Coach K. Go to Durham and kiss his ring. <laughs> so, I'll go to Chapel Hill. Yeah. <laughs> you, you won't find him, I don't think. Um, but but, but uh, good, good luck with that. All right, boys, we'll, uh, we'll be back on Thursday with another edition of the podcast.